Sometimes I wonder if there's a successful woman behind every man, does that mean women themselves are so amazing that they don't need a man behind them for their success? This episode is dedicated to every single woman in the world, women who want to break free of the labels given to her at birth and throughout her life to realize her true identity and embrace her unique sense of self. Why is everything these days dedicated to women? When did that change? When did they become the dominant gender? I don't really understand. It's not the way the world works. I think we've always been the dominant gender. It's just that we've only just started noticing. Yes, you've only just realised your own greatness, I understand. No, I mean, men have only just started noticing. That you were, oh, so you always knew you were the dominant gender. I see. Okay, look, everybody, it's not about proving who's more dominant or better. Men have their own great place in the world and women have their own. And Dave, I don't think you can deny the fact that women are more subject to inequality than men. And culturally, there are a lot of boundaries and a lot of labels imposed on women, which makes it really difficult for them to see themselves as who they really are. So it makes sense to dedicate an entire episode to women and identity, doesn't it? Yay! And Dave, you'll be further pleased to know that today we'll be joined by a very special guest who is a famous feminist author. And she'll be talking to us about the most common reasons why women face multiple identity crises throughout their lives. Great. Fantastic. An episode dedicated to women, by women, for women. Excellent idea. I guess I'll just go home then. Do I need to be? Do I really need to be here? Oh, shut up and listen, Dave. It's the devils like you that need teaching all this. I, for one, love women. Um... Actually, I think Dave does have a point. An episode dedicated to women by women. Great. Um, Dave, why don't you take the role with you as well? What, you want me to go? Yes. You don't do much here anyways, do you, Rob? Forgot to play the intro music again. Bugger. <sighs> Rob, you're simply useless. No, I'm not. I'll have you know I am an integral part of this podcast and I can remove you in an instant, Dave. You wouldn't dare. Try me. I'd like to see you try. Can we not just work as one nice, happy team? I think we were until last week, Angela. Well, yes, that was unfortunate. That that was, yeah, that was bad. Exactly. Suman works so hard and then, Rob, you just ruin it all. Now, we've been over this. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't think sorry's going to cut it, Rob. All right, both of you, just, just leave. And, Rob, make me the host before you leave. What? You want me to go? Yes, I said it twice in English. Could seriously do with not having you here today. I mean, it just reminds me of what happened. And anyways, you're not going to do much here, are you? I try my best. It's hard, you know, when you've got so many bloody buttons in front of you, I don't know what to press. Oh, yes, hard to catfish your boss. I mean, that took some technical knowledge. I know, I was quite impressed with myself on that. Suman, you don't deserve that from such a beast as Rob. I told you before he was a grub, and grubs can't be trusted. Okay, Dave, that's enough. I'm really trying hard to take John Smith and all those pictures out of my head, and this just isn't helping. Oh, yes, the pictures. Oh, my God. Probably Googled them all. Poor Suman, what did he send you? That's private, Dave. That's strictly between me and 
and a producer. I do look like one of them. Oh my god. Sue Mung is actually going to throw up again. Absolute simp. Catfishing innocent women online. I know this is an episode all about women, women's rights, and trying to improve women's lives. I don't think someone like you should be on this episode. Excuse me, it's his fault, you know. How? Explain, please. How is it my fault? No. Oh my god, absolute standard routine from old Rob here. Relinquish any power and run away crying like a little grub. I didn't tell you to be a bloody catfish. Manipulative little shit you are. You said she'd really enjoy it. Well, clearly she didn't. Look, Rob, have you learnt your lesson? 100%. And you'll never do it again? Never. I promise it won't happen again. Right, well, that's good enough for me. Sounds genuinely sorry. I'd recommend that we all just do a big group hug. I'm not hugging that thing. You can't say that about Sue, man. (gasps) Oh, shut up! I have heard enough. Rob, you're fired for gross misconduct. Excellent, excellent. Oh, dear. Angela, tell him to play the intro music and let's just get on with it for now. Okay. Rob? Rob? Are you there? Yes, Ange. Suman said, please, can you play the intro music? Pretty please. Okay. Um, right. Here it is for the last time. Oh, sorry, hang on. My system's frozen. Allow me. Goodbye, Rob. Goodbye, Rob. For today's very special episode dedicated to women, I am very honoured and super excited to speak with Dr. Jessica Taylor. (gasps) Oh my God, the Dr. Jessica Taylor. Yes. Are you excited, Angela? I am so excited about this one, but actually I'm a little bit nervous too. I've never ever spoken to a celebrity before. And Angela will be talking to her about her books, which you've hosted at your book club, Why Women Are Blamed for Everything, and her recently published Sunday Times bestseller, Sexy But Psycho. And I'll tell you what, that book is a real eye-opener. I can't believe all the things women have to put up with. It's a good job. I was raised to love and respect women by my lovely mum. I know. Women have to put up with so much. I mean, being catfished, being catcalled, and getting catfished. I think that was directed at you, Rob. I have a feeling that it was too, Ange. Angela, can you tell Rob to let Dr Jessica in? I can see her. She's in the waiting room, but I don't think he's noticed. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I quite like this new job of mine. Okay, Rob, can you let her in now, please? You know, someone, you can just talk to me. Oh, I've got a good idea. Angela, you can... Oh, my God, I was stressing about who I should hire. (gasps) Angela, you'll be perfect for the job. And I get the power to mute Dave whenever I want. Yes, of course. I mean, that's one of your key responsibilities. You get all the power. Rob, you should stay. I think you should stay, Rob. Tough it out. Be that strong man that every woman desires. Oh, how the tables have turned. As soon as the woman gets the power, Dave suddenly has something to say. Well, look, I mean, we have to keep this patriarchy going, you know? Well, bad news for you, Dave, because uh, we have Dr. Jessica here with us today. Now, can we please let her in? 
come on in, Dr. Jessica. My name is Michael Kate. So about this podcast as the budget for Michael fucking Kate. Come on, come on in, darling. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, welcome to our podcast. It is so lovely to see you. We are so excited to speak with you today about women and identity, about your wonderful work, about your books and your brilliant work at Victim Focus. Now, my first question to you that I ask all of my guests. Are you ready? Yeah. Exam question one. Who are you when no one's looking? Uh, who am I when no one's looking? Am I allowed to just say knackered? Like just totally exhausted. <laughs> um, and that the only the only other thing is that like the people that know me the 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 best who who know me all the way through know that I'm just a like stoky kid that somehow managed to end up a famous psychologist, and I'm still trying to figure out how that happened. Tell us about your identity journey from growing up in a council estate to being absolutely famous. What inspired you to be where you are and create your individual identity? I think where I grew up, there was a general belief that there was just no point in putting any effort into any of us because of where we come from. So there's no point because nobody was going to do anything anyway. And I think a lot of us just accepted that for what it was. Um, Lots of us came from families where nobody had ever sort of even got further than high school. Nobody, a lot of people didn't work. For, and I'll say this like openly and I mean it. I thought universities were in America. Oh my God. I thought that if you went to university, you went to America to go to the ones that were on TV, that were on like road trip. Do you remember road trip? Yeah, I remember that. So when, when and how did you realize that, that wasn't the case? When you went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that's true. That's why I just laughed because um, when I first went to a university campus when I was 25 to do a PhD, the first time I'd ever set foot on an actual university campus, I thought, God, this is underwhelming. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, because there was no frat houses and there was no cheerleaders and there was nothing of interest mm. going on. So how did you overcome such ideologies and generalizations? of what was expected of you and how the society perceived you as a woman to now. To be honest, it was this like feeling of, uh, there's no way that I'm living like this. There's no way that I'm staying here. This is terrifying and horrific. Um, so I, and I think that that's a massive motivator when you're trying to get like climb out of like poverty and oppression. It's like, it's terrifying and you have to push yourself to get out of it. Um, so I think that's part of it and I think that'll always be part of me. So I have this letter that I wrote myself when I was 11 um, that said that like one day I'm going to be a psychologist, a social worker and then the Prime Minister. Oh, please tick that last one off. Yes. Yeah, everybody keeps saying this to me, but I don't think they understand what they're asking for. <laughs> well, we need a bit of that to, uh, to smell out the bullshit in Parliament. Stokey MP Glasses Bojo. I wouldn't mind a bit of that. I wouldn't mind watching that. Talking about women and identity in today's episode, we have to talk about the cultural concept of women changing their surname after marriage. Me and Angela have been talking about this quite a lot because Angela is actually thinking about taking on Dave's surname. Aren't you, Angela? Well, that's 
the way things have always been done. And I, I suppose maybe it's quite nice if you're married to someone that you you share names. You're a team, then. And teams wear the same kit. Oh, that's fine. Well, in that case, then, Dave, why don't you take her surname? Yeah, go on, then. Because I... I, as, as you should well know, any devil or imp who takes the name of an angel shall be banished from hell forever. Dave? How am I going to see my father? Oh, well, he can come and visit. No, don't bring Satan in. Look, marriage is all about compromise. Why don't you put it as your middle name? Not a double barrel, as a middle name, so no one needs to know, but we know that we're bonded for life. What are your thoughts on this, Dr. Jessica? Because I've noticed you've not changed your surname after marriage. And even better, you didn't have to change your title from Miss to Mrs. because you're a doctor. Hmm, that's really interesting because, like you say, I've swerved it by having doctor. But I am technically Mrs. because I'm married to my wife. Um, and when we got married, we chose not to change our names. And we had a we had a conversation about this. We were like, do we take each other's names? Do we have a double-barreled name? What is it that we're doing? And in the end, we were like, what's the point in all of this? This is ridiculous. Why are we changing our names? It's because we we love each other. So we just decided not to bother. So And we're like both totally settled about that. It just comes up every now and then where somebody will ask one of our names and then sort of go, and is yours the same? And then well, one of us will have to go, no, no, they're, they're different. Yeah. And... Angela knows that whatever she decides, I'll fully support her in all her choices because at the end of the day, it's her life. However, personally, I'm against this concept because I see it like a label to define women through the dominant male in her life who holds power over her and controls her. That's the point of it, is that that's why, um, that's why your father walks you down the aisle as a woman because he's giving you away to the other man. That's a tradition that still exists, that your dad is called giving you away because they are literally giving you from their ownership to the new man's ownership. And that's when you then take their name because your father gave you to the other family. You take the other mm-hmm. family's name and then you're owned by the new man. That's that's the, that's the point. Right, and do not think that Dave owns you. You are not an item. You are not a product. Dave, if it's all right with you, I I think perhaps maybe we should keep our own names as they are. Hmm. Keep your own name. Okay, yes, I'm okay with that. I can I can get past that. And I do understand that Magabone is quite a difficult name to bear. Exactly, yes. And if we have children... Um... They'll be Maggot Bones. Oh, uh... They will most certainly be maggot bones. Oh, no, I don't want little maggot bones running around the place. You don't want some little cute maggot bones? Uh, no, little... It's quite romantic. No. Come on, just say it one more time. Maggot bones. M- maggot bones. They're cuties, see? Mm, no, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll cross that path when we come to it. I just think for now, um, Angela Angelson shall remain Angela Angelson. Beautiful. Oh, I feel like me again. Okay, this is brilliant. Do you feel liberated? Yeah, do you know what? I just, I feel really in touch with who I am and I feel confident about that. That's wonderful. Angela Angelson, the angel that works from heaven and helps everyone on earth and is married to Dave Maggotborn. Now that's something I'd find in the bin. Exactly. It's it's not it's not a good fit for me. Jessica, I must I must ask as we're on about titles. Does anyone call you Doctor Who? 
<laughs> I think somebody probably has done that, but if I'll tell you what happens more, um, is people, I'll say doctor, um, and then they'll ask for a man. So like, for example, my bank rang me and said, um, can we speak to Dr. Taylor? And I said, speaking, and they went, no, Dr. Taylor. <gasps> Bloody hell. That's terrible. But I, I still can't understand what the issue was because surely if they're my bank, they know my first name's Jessica, so. It's really interesting that you say this, Dr. Jessica, because for some women, Mrs. is an honour of title. I remember once I addressed a lady by her first name and she was really offended. And she said, oh no, you should call me by Mrs. Smith. And I ended up apologising to her. I mean, ah, was... you've got John Smith on the brain, have you? Still thinking about your catfishing lover. Um, I think we should ban the name John Smith. Yes, I agree. Even though we weren't real, you just need some time away from him. Exactly. I just don't think... I don't think that's good for you healing after the breakup, Sue, man. And I know it wasn't like a, a, a typical breakup, but, you know, you've you've still got to take time to get over it. Okay, Um. I, I, sorry, I'm just going to re-ask that question. Um. An Angela, give me a surname. Um, uh, Smithson. No! Uh, Smitherton. No, stop it! Angela! Sorry, no. I just... I, Please. Oh, sorry, I just couldn't think of any other names. Uh, um, it's okay, Angela. I'm just going to ask a different question uh, sorry about that dr jessica it just um triggered a trauma now as a psychologist you worked with so many women helping them not only understand their traumas but learning how to cope and come to realize that their traumas shouldn't define who they are and hold them back in life so tell us about your professional journey I started off working directly with women in the criminal justice system and in support services and counselling services and in um, domestic abuse and sexual violence services and things like that. Um, and then I went to work with um, girls, so they were children who had been trafficked and abused and so I'd done work directly with teenage girls. As I started doing that work, I realized there was loads of problems, loads of victim blaming, loads of really bad practice. And so I went into training and started rewriting people's training, like police forces and local authorities. And about 2017, I started writing a blog um, because I wanted to share that information for free with as many women and girls as possible. And um, it really, really quickly took off. So I think in the first few months, it had like 37,000 downloads or something, which I was really surprised about. And then in the second year, there was like a quarter of a million. And then in like the third year, it got even bigger. And then I think by the fourth year, it was at like 1.4 million a year. And so that was how I started sharing ideas, you know, sort of ways of challenging the ways women are perceived and the stereotypes and uh, the way they're treated in society. And I started doing YouTube videos and um, I, I made a Facebook page and started talking on there and Instagram and Twitter. And it just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And um, so it's still to this day, even though now I run a large company um, that does this kind of work all over the world, we still provide the majority of what we do completely for free so like lots of free courses and self-help stuff and blogs and articles and uh things to read and things to learn about it has been it's been really successful but it's not been easy 
Yes, I'm sure it's not been easy. And you've openly talked about these challenges in your book that you faced. Your experiences about sitting in the courtrooms, watching these women being blamed for everything. And their traumas were used against them to silence them, to discredit them. And these stories, I feel, will resonate to so many women with a past covered in multiple traumas and really give them an insightful perspective about women being blamed for everything, which is the title of your first book. So tell us why are women blamed for everything? Why Women Are Blamed for Everything is a book about the psychology of victim blaming all over the world and the way that we will always look uh, in situations of abuse and violence and trauma for what the woman could have done differently or the yeah. girl. I mean, mm-hmm. even like little girls. So, you know. Adam and uh, Eve, Pandora's box. Yeah, exactly. Like we've always, in fact, there's some really interesting books on um, misogyny and hatred of women. And one of which is actually about the... Uh, story around Pandora's box and so um, yeah so there's there's always there has been a very long history of Mm. blaming women for things that go wrong in the world or for men's behaviors or for you know anything really from like war murder you know and stuff like that so um, I was really interested in that and my interest in the psychology of victim blaming came from all of my experience working in the criminal justice system where I felt like every single day it didn't really matter what the trial was or what the crime was it was somehow the woman's fault even if it was you know like look at for for example in America we have school shootings like where men walk into a school and kill loads of primary school children and then somehow the press will be like but where was his mother and who and you know sort of like what was his mum doing you know in, in his life to make him this evil and you think how is that her fault yeah mm-hmm. yeah and they certainly don't say where was his dad no in situations I was mollycoddled by my mother and look at me, I turned out great. So where do you think this this thing of victim of, of blaming women originally came from? Obviously it's been going on for thousands of years. Is that simply because... Oh, but it came from you! I'm only 500 years old. I'm only 500 years old. So don't be blaming me for everything. No, but is it... I mean, obviously it's been going on for a long time. Is that... Is that simply because the people in power are always going to blame the people below, if that's a race-based or gender-based? Or do you think there's something else going on, something deeper? It's a mixture of things. So I found there is a mixture of like six or seven different mechanisms in society. So, for example, there's um, misogyny, the hatred of women, that women are inferior and therefore women are the problem. And therefore, you know, women are almost like the cause and the solution to all of life's problems. Um, If women would just be different or behave differently or shut up or do what they're told, then that would solve a lot of things in certain people's eyes. But there's also really interesting theories like belief in a just world that, um, you know, that good people are rewarded through good things that happen in their lives. But if something bad befalls you or if something bad happens to you, it must be because you deserve it, whether you accept that or not. And that's where we get um, values and belief systems like karma from and karmic value, which are thousands of years old, a belief that there's something cosmic that balances out reward and punishment at all times. And so if something bad happens to you, the reason that we support victim blaming is because we look for what the bad thing is that you did that leads to something bad happening to you, right? In your in Sexy But Psycho, you've said... In some cases, women were being encouraged to call themselves psychos and normalize the toxic labels given to them. Why do you think women buy into all of this? Because I think this is part of identity. 
at the moment. I think that we have a real like increase in identity policies and individualization. I think that we live in a society that's pro-individual, pro-capitalism, pro-exploitation, pro-oppression. So it makes sense that eventually that trickles down to even, you know, let's say the 21-year-old woman who believes that she, in order for her feelings to be validated, she should identify as a psychopath or identify as borderline or whatever it is. And um, there is a lot of a narrative in society that if you don't behave or think or feel a certain way you must be disordered you must have a mental illness and I think that actually what we're seeing here is identity politics and individualization and individualism creeping into mental health people say to me all the time well I have I have this disorder or I am one of these people and I've never had any traumas and I don't accept that to be true I think that everybody's life is traumatic I think you live in a world that is traumatic from birth you are literally shoved into a rat race that you don't consent to where you have to perform every single day in order to like live in a house otherwise you'll end up homeless you don't get to consent or withdraw from that process um i'm a little bit concerned at the moment due to our current political climate and i was just wondering do you feel that we might perhaps be going or we're at risk of going backwards in terms of women's rights yeah yeah, I think we're going backwards. There's sort of three waves, three three sort of significant waves of feminism that have already happened. So the first wave was the suffragette movement to try and get the vote for women. And when that happened, um, there was an incredible pushback. Women were positioned as evil and ugly and disgusting if they wanted the vote. They were seen as uh, infertile um, as um, witches and uh, seen, you know, and the postcards newspaper articles, posters that were put up and posted. The point of that was to convince women that if they agreed with women's rights and feminism... They're like that. Yeah. yeah, right. And then in the second wave, which happened in the 60s onwards, women were pushing for things like reproductive rights and were, you know, and... Um, like, for example, shelters for domestic abuse and um, other rights that protect them from violence and rights to have their own bank accounts and be able to get their own mortgage. And again, we had this uprising of misogyny at the same time that positioned those women as, you know, like lonely spinsters, lesbians, you know, as a derogatory term and um, that they were seen as childless cat lady freaks that didn't want men and hated men and wanted all men to die and that sort of weird stuff. And then we've had the third wave since around female empowerment. And then we've got like Me Too movement and stuff. Mm. But this time, very different to the others, we have social media. And social media is a hot mess. There's also the issue that often even feminists don't like talking about, which is internalized misogyny, that women hate themselves and women hate other women. Um, a lot of our internalized misogyny means that women and girls are brought up to hate themselves and to objectify themselves and to harm themselves, but also they harm other women, they attack other women, women that are doing better than them or that they perceive or women that look different from them or women that don't behave in the way they think they should behave. Oh yeah, that's awful, isn't it? And it certainly needs to change. We should be bigging each other up and empowering each other and supporting each other. I have to say, one of the most therapeutic things is watching two women have an unbelievable cat fight. Pour some oil on top and let's just let the whole thing explode. <gasps> Jesus Christ! Not all women fight. I've never once seen you two have any argument or any fight at all. 
No, but Rob, if they did fight, you tell me you wouldn't want to see that video. No! Dave, I know exactly what you mean. When you're saying, oh, wouldn't you want to watch them have a cat fight, you're being pervy. You need help, mate. I didn't say, I, at no point during this whole conversation did I mention anything about it being sexual. It's just, it's just like watching a nature show. I love it. I love it. I simply love it. Well, it's good to know that you've learned absolutely nothing during this podcast, Dave. I like seeing men fight too. I mean, I watch the boxing, don't I? I'm, if anything, I'm including you. That's very kind of you, Dave. Thank you. Now, my next question for you, Dr. Jessica, is on behalf of women whose identities have been fully transformed in long-term relationships, who feel trapped and pressured by the gender stereotypes, and how much is expected of them. They are desperate for change, but they don't know how and what they can do because there's a lot at stake, especially if there's kids involved and there's shared responsibilities. What would you say to them? No one asks better questions than you, Suman. Rob, you're not getting your job back if that's what you're going for. I can try. Angela, could you tell him not to interrupt? Rob? What? Hi. Um, could you not interrupt, please? That would be really helpful. Thank you very much. Yep, I heard it the first time. So, Dr. Jessica, how common do you think it is for women in long-term relationships to struggle with their identity? I think that that often happens. I think that's the most common experience for women. So um, it's not very common for a woman to be in a long-term relationship where she says, do you know what, this relationship's shit and I'm off. Houses involved, money involved, children involved, commitments involved, responsibilities involved which keep them there. So even when they're absolutely miserable or they're being abused and they're actually being harmed, they still feel they should be there or they must stay or, you know, even that old sort of let's stay together for the kids. Like let's stay together until the kids are 18. Actually, it would be better off if you split up for the kids and it gets really messy right at the end. And that's one of the reasons why I was so happy to see the no fault divorce thing come in. I don't know if you saw that. I think I'll be writing that soon. Excuse me? <gasps> Dave! I'm only joking, dear. I wouldn't do that to you. Oh, I hope not. No, no, of course not, of course not. But if we ever do have kids, yes, if things are dysfunctional, we shouldn't stay together just for the kids. Yes, cause... we'll drop the kids off and drive into the sunset. Yes. <laughs> amazing. Can I ask you one final question? A bit of a hot take at the moment. Um, I do like a bit of gossip, I have to say. And I, like everybody else, have watched closely or from afar this amber heard johnny depp case if i'm to believe the internet johnny depp is some sort of hero and amber heard seems to be a, a witch what what are your what's your take on that? have you been following it yes i have yeah. she's been following it she's been tweeting about it dave <laughs> read the well, tweets listen, no listen i've been banned from twitter as has my dear friend trump so but unlike him i won't be coming back i've made that very clear so i've not seen your tweets I have to say. No, I've written some articles as well for the press, but I think that it's already been made clear that in other previous trials that Johnny Depp has committed serious acts of abuse. And it make, it makes me wonder why people are so certain that he hasn't done anything where he's already lost one trial and three appeals. Um, and, you know, it's fairly common knowledge that the reason that he took the case back to the US and reopened it was because he was given legal advice that you're more likely to win in the US than you are in the UK. 
I think the the reason that it's become so divided online is because people are look like men, for example, are looking for a case that shows that men can be victims of abuse, which they absolutely can. And I think that that's where some of that emotion comes from. But this is not the, the example they're looking for. And I, I, you know, yeah, this isn't a good representation of a male victim of of abuse. You've inspired so many women and girls to see themselves differently, create an identity of their own. You've inspired them to challenge the patriarchy system. Tell us how it feels to see women from surviving to thriving and then embracing their full potential and their true sense of self, as opposed to how they initially perceive themselves. I worked with women or girls who realized their potential and realized that they weren't just damaged forever because of what somebody else had done to them that was a that was that was massive like i've worked with teenage girls who had been trafficked and by the time they'd finished working with me they were sort of going you know one day i'm going to do this and one day i'm going to go to university and one day i'm go- i'm going to be a public speaker as well and i'm going to be an author and i'm going to be a psychologist and like when i first started working with them they were just like i hate myself everything's my fault you know this I'm never going to be anything nobody listens to me nobody cares about me and I think that moving a woman or a girl to that position where actually yeah you are worth something and you don't have to be defined by what somebody else chose to do to you is probably like the most important thing for me is that is when they when it clicks for Mm. them that they don't have to be defined by the crimes of somebody else when women get in touch with me and sort of say I used to blame myself. I used to believe I was the problem. I used to believe it was my fault I was raped. It was my fault that I was abused. But then, you know, I've seen your videos or I've read this stuff and you've made me realize that none of this was my fault and I shouldn't be angry at myself at all. And I think that's actually a massive emotional shift. So the fact that people can get that just from watching my videos or reading stuff is amazing. And I've had a very similar reaction to what you've just described to your videos, which made me think a lot about what I believe to be true about myself. In fact, it was actually someone else's idea. Why are you looking at me? Well, yeah, because it was you who put those notes in my school books to put ideas into my mind. Do you want me to talk about the notes that you wrote in your book? <gasps> uh, you want to release them to the world? Let everyone know what dear little Sue Man is really like. Uh, uh, well, that was a long time ago, and I'm quite um, a manipulative shrew, weren't you? Uh, no, that okay. Everybody, do not listen to him. Just talking nonsense again. Right, let's move on. Dr. Jessica, one of your arguments in Sexy But Psycho is that the support services for women are just not good enough and neither up to date. And it comes down to a wider systematic problem, which is why you found victim focus. What I chose to dedicate like my knowledge and my time to is retraining the people that do because the training programs are not good enough. So the therapists that you talk about social workers, police officers, and other psychologists like me, they don't get good training. And so they make a lot of mistakes. Like when you go and find a therapist, it's like potluck. You may as well just like draw it out of a hat. You might get a good one. You might get a terrible one. I I actually think that we would be doing a lot better in society if we accepted that lots of our original theories in psychology, psychiatry, criminology are actually wrong and that we we should be moving on and that would be normal. Like 
in what other discipline would you say something like, well, 120 years ago, we used to put a frog on our head and that was a way to cure a cold. And that's another thing that I'm trying to explain to people is that the further we go convincing everybody that only certain people struggle with their mental health or only certain people have these emotions and thoughts and feelings, the worse this is going to get. Because actually, if I was to get everybody here to sit down and write down the things in your life that have been traumatic, things you remember, things that haunt you, things that you'll never forget, things that have upset you, things that humiliated you, being bullied, being abused, relationship breaks down, breakdowns, your parents dying, whatever it is, mm. you could you could very quickly probably list off 10, 15 traumas that you've lived through already. I must say this is, my mind just went boom. Suddenly everything makes sense. I'll take that as a compliment then. It's a big compliment. <laughs> Take a lot to boom his mind though. thank you so much dr jessica for being our guest sharing all the wonderful knowledge it's been so enlightening and i'm sure it's been really helpful for women listening out there what is after sexy but psycho what's next men's rights no (laughs) there's enough of that Yeah, no, they've got lots of those. Um, So (laughs) I had a meeting last week about what's coming next. And I've got some really exciting stuff coming next. It's a little bit scary. Excellent. We like scary here. Yeah, it's something that I always thought I might do. And then I jokingly mentioned it to my publishers as a joke. And then they all sort of was like, no, you should do that. And then I was like, oh, shit. You're not going to be the next prime minister, are you? No, maybe. <laughs> perhaps when your new product comes out, you could come back on. Yeah, of course. And then you can tell me what you think. And perhaps by then, I'll even be a staunch feminist. Who knows? Yay! Oh, go on, Dave. Tell us you're a feminist. Yes, I am. I'll do the washing up tomorrow. How about that? Dave, I am so proud of you right now. You've never been sexier, by the way. <laughs>